interviewing the leading private equity executives and unlocking the secrets of success. Welcome to the Private Equity Podcast with Alex Rawlings. Welcome to the Raw Selection Private Equity Podcast, interviewing the leading private equity executives and unlocking their secrets to success. Joining us today is Nicholas Antoine, managing partner and co-founder of Red Arts Capital. Welcome and thank you very much for sharing your insights with us today, Nick. Thanks very much for having me, Alex. Perfect. So as we always proceed, Nick, if you could give us a 60 to 90 second breakdown of you, please. Sure. So my name is Nick Antoine. As you mentioned, I'm co-founder and managing partner of Red Arts Capital. We are a sector-focused private equity firm. We invest in supply chain logistics businesses in the lower middle market, so 5 to 20 million EBITDA companies. We're from the East Coast. We're up in New York, New Jersey, uh, but I moved to Chicago almost 10 years ago, and that's where our firm is based here today. Uh, today, there's uh, 10, soon to be 11 of us on, on the firm, at the firm uh, here in Chicago, and um, I have a business partner, Chad Schrader, who I've been working with for almost eight years now. An introduction. So, usual question for us: What's one mistake do you see private equity firms or their portfolio companies making, and what actions would you take or suggest to take to correct them? It's a great question, Alex. Um, I think I haven't seen the entire universe of how people make decisions. One one of the things that I've seen that that I think is incredibly important to creating value for investors and for the management companies, the employees, is having focus. I think that there are a lot of opportunistic investors in private equity who are looking to deploy capital wherever they can wherever they can get access to doing so. But I do think that having an area of expertise is, is really important to being able to understand where the opportunities are, what the risks are, and how to best meet the needs of that business by having a background in, in the space. I appreciate that. And yeah, I agree. Uh, focus definitely. I mean, certainly private equity is firms. Are, uh, I know you guys are particularly niche and we'll talk about uh, talk about that, but I think there's too many firms that are very, very broad and try and capture everything. Uh, so I completely, uh, completely agree. So brings us nicely, actually, the, you know, as we mentioned, the private equity landscape is very competitive. And uh, as you guys have grown Red Arts, what do you feel kind of separates Red Arts from, from other PE firms? Well, so that's a bit of a leading question from the last question, but I do think that our, our sector focus uh, makes a big difference. And it's not, it's not we're just saying everything in supply chain, we, we, we drill down a little bit farther. We, we also like to develop a thesis or a theme uh, where we go back to the same idea over and over again, as, as so long as the conditions remain the same for that business uh, or industry, to continue to make investments. I, I think that that is a really important that differentiates us um, and again, I, I think going back to what I said earlier, it is an important part of really doing the best you possibly can to create value for everybody. Perfect. Makes sense. And and again, drilling into that kind of supply chain world, I've spoken to thousands and thousands of private equity firms all across Europe, North America, and none of which have I ever come across anybody that specializes in just supply chain and logistics um, and non probably that I'd say there's a few that have that as an area of specialism, but within industrial and healthcare and other areas. So what attracted you to the area and why have you uh, taken a firm to specialize in that space? 
Well, when we started the firm, uh, Chad and I decided, one, we knew we wanted to be focused on something. Uh, Then the question was, where would we focus? And what we saw was an increasingly competitive landscape um, in the private equity world. And and in order to differentiate ourselves from the competition, but also to be able for us to say yes or no, um, and and to know how to do so quickly, we we realized that we had to focus. Then the question was, what what were we going to focus on? We have a tendency to like to look right when people are looking left, and not for not just for the sake of doing so, but because we think that, that oftentimes many opportunities are overlooked um, when people make general assumptions that uh, there isn't value to be created uh, in a specific space. So Chad had a background. My business partner had a background in supply chain and logistics. His family ran a business in the auto aftermarket space. He worked at PepsiCo, uh, and he worked very closely with folks in their supply chain division and done some industrial deals at his prior private equity firm. Um, And so he had some relationships there, and he had some knowledge. And then as we started doing research into different parts of the space, we said, oh, this is interesting. Let's let's take a look. What we found was a general general attitude that capital-intensive businesses, perhaps uh, cyclical businesses, were not interesting. And we thought, well... Is that true across the board, or is there other exceptions to those rules? And as we really dove into the space, we saw that it was not only was it a, a large space where there were many exceptions to those rules, but also that because of those exceptions, there were people who were not looking at those spaces. So the first thesis that we developed was in the less than truckload space. Less than truckload is the local pickup and delivery of palletized freight. And it's, it's a sleepy industry, but it's extraordinarily important to factors of our economy and transportation, particularly in this age of e-commerce and uh, last mile delivery and, and next day shipping and same day shipping. And we've seen that in the Midwest, particularly in rural markets, the industry had not really been consolidated like it had been on the East Coast. And so that was the first thesis. And the more time we spent there, the more we realized your observation out that there were not a lot of folks who had expressed interest, not only in LTL, but in supply chain generally. So as we continue to learn more, we, be, we developed more and more of a conviction that this was the right place for us to focus. Sense. And one thing I know that private equity firms would would say, or should I say private equity leaders that are listening, is that deal flow is, is probably a reason why they're a bit hesitant and nervous about going more niche. Are you guys pr- predominantly proprietary, or mostly working kind of the typical investment bank routes? And how do you guys going about that kind of deal flow process within what people would see a very narrow niche? Sure. So we, we focus on a handful of different spaces within the supply chain sector. We focus on six different spaces from third-party logistics, especially transportation, to auto aftermarket, and everything in between, um, really across the value chain. And to give some context to the size of the space, transportation, particularly trucking alone, is almost a trillion dollar uh, market. So it's enormously large and it's highly fragmented, particularly because what we found is that many in- in instances you have large, large companies up, you know, up market. And on the other side of the barbell, you have uh, thousands of smaller businesses in the lower middle market and you know, fewer businesses kind of in between. So we saw it was, a, it, was a, it was a big pond of vision, and by choosing how to focus our, our themes where we find interesting opportunities, we're able to funnel that. So then the next next step is how do we how do we source 
directly and how do we have enough deal flow? And that has been, we've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Chad and I have been on the road for 10 years, maybe it was a little bit of a blip with COVID. Meeting with investment bankers, intermediaries, M&A, uh, M&A advisors and brokers, telling our story, what we're look, looking for, what kind of businesses we're interested in. And the other part is that we work very closely with operating executives. And these folks come from different walks of, of life in the supply chain world, um, have, usually have decades of experience in their area of, of competence, and they have deep relationships and expertise and reputations that help us find direct opportunities. So oftentimes we get inbound deal flow from referrals, management companies, owners that say, hey, you know, we've heard great things about Red Arts. I mean, we'd love to discuss a potential partnership or, uh, you know, considering an acquisition uh, by your firm. It's, it's an interesting one. And I've spoken to many firms and and who say, yeah, you know, that niche nature and it's it's not really us. We like the the variety. I think the, there's a great saying, and I know I apologize because I don't know who's 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 quoted it, but the narrower your niche, the broader your appeal, uh, and therefore you do build more connections and more contacts, and you're able to leverage them better. People are going to give you introductions because you know naturally that's what you do and what you specialize in, as opposed to doing everything. So I think it's a good, um, certainly an interesting strategy, and we're seeing a lot more firms like just do uh, tech. And you guys have taken that even further and being like, we're not just industrial, we are supply chain and logistics. And then it sounds like you're even going even further narrower within your actual thesis of your investments. So that's really, uh, really impressive. Sorry to interrupt here. Just a quick note to highlight our new sponsor, Greta. The private equity market is rapidly shifting to a data-driven proprietary deal sourcing standard. Greta provides the window into over 7 million middle market private companies. Contact Greta so you can access the market first. Request a demo at www.grata.com. Now back to the podcast. Having seen, and I mean, I'm sure, I, I know from your background, you've not worked in like private equity firms that have like really, really broad, but do you see the industry going more, although aerial maybe, I don't know them particularly well, do you see the industry going more kind of narrow with regards to its um, investment strategies? Is that an area you think that the industry will kind of follow suit to what Red Arts is doing? Yeah, I think it depends on the, on the type of or uh, part of the marketplace that the private equity firm is investing in. Uh, but I do see that that is a growing trend. I think that the days of just the general shops that we saw in, in the 90s, maybe even in the early 2000s, is lent itself to more focus. I think what we see more often than not, is our firms that have several verticals that they focus on, like healthcare and industrials or healthcare and CPG or technology and healthcare. And I think we're going to continue to see more specialization, as you mentioned, not just industrials, but you know manufacturing or not just industrials, but supply chain. I do think so that depends on the size businesses that they're, you know, that the firms are focused on. Absolutely. And looking at mentioning your career there, Nick, obviously when I was doing research as I do with any uh, guest that comes on the on the podcast, it's pretty clear to see that you've progressed pretty quickly. You know, I was looking from 2013, a research analyst, uh, sorry, research associate at Aerial Investments, and then 2015, founding managing partner of uh, Red Arts Capital. So so tell us, Nick, what have, what have you done during that time? How have you progressed so quickly? And uh, what's your secret there? Well, uh, I appreciate that. No, there's any secret. You know, I've I've loved investing since I was a kid. I have a 
my, here in my office, I have a picture of me reading the Wall Street Journal when I was in third grade. I, I've, I've always been And I also come from an entrepreneurial family. My father's an entrepreneur. And, and so I think it was kind of something that I, I knew I wanted to do. Um, I had a great fortune of working with an extraordinary entrepreneur, John Rogers, who founded Aerial Investments. And not only was I, I worked in the research department there, um, I then went to work for John in a chief staff role uh, for about a year before starting the firm with Chad. And in that role, I really got to see the ins and outs and the details of what it takes to, to run an asset management business, an investment business. Um, and so I think I had a little bit of a, an education, educational experience of seeing what, it, what it's needed um, and what to expect. And I think that helped pretty significantly. But the other part was it was it was in the back of my mind. I you know I before Ariel I worked at another asset management firm in New Jersey. I read countless books and things. Uh, I was investing on my own again since I was in third grade. So I've I've always been very interested in, in investing. Um, so I felt like I had the skill set to make informed decisions um, and, and and had had been investing for a long time already in my life. Then I saw this great opportunity. I met Chad. Chad was working at another private equity firm in, in Chicago. And we really just hit it off as friends. We exchanged book ideas and we saw that we had very similar values, ambitions, goals. Um, and so I, I think it was the right place, right time. And it was, it was kind of a no-brainer looking back on it just because of the, you know, the quality of Chad's character and opportunities that we saw that were presented to us and also some of the experience that I had that made us decide to jump into it. And we were very fortunate that um, we, had, we had some good timing when we started. And so I think it was a combination of things, but it really started with the passion for investing and, uh, and for business. Makes sense. Makes sense. And you mentioned, obviously, you exchange books. I'm going to suggest that, or that suggests to me, certainly, that you're a bit of a reader, uh, Nick. What are, what are your influences? What do you read? What do you watch? Or what books would you recommend? What do you listen to? Yeah, so... Do read quite a bit. Um, today, I'm, I'm probably reading fewer books and more uh, confidential memorandums and, and newspaper articles. But I think right now, a book that I'm really enjoying, I, I, I read it I don't know, a couple months ago, and I just listened to a podcast with the authors, is um, uh, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, I believe is his name. I, I think it's, it's a wonderful book about investing and understanding kind of what your goals are around investing. And it talks a lot about the inner workings of what, what makes successful investor. Um, I really enjoyed that book. Historically, I, I've been somewhat of a psychologist. I've been going to the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting since I was in college. So I'm a big fan of the thinking of Benjamin Graham and, and then also Buffett and Munger. Uh, so those are some of the things that I've read historically that I, I like. Uh, another book that I think is is incredibly important to the fabric of our, our values and, and, and even the founding of this business is a book by a autobiography written by Reginald Lewis uh, called "Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun," and it's Reginald Lewis. If you're not familiar with him, he was a legendary African American um, investor uh, who, in the 19, late 1980s, bought um, Beatrice International from KKR. It was a billion-dollar transaction, um, and he was extraordinary. I mean, he was a visionary, really, way ahead of his time. Unfortunately, he died very young, but in his book, he he talks about in, in, in depth, you know, what it took to buy the businesses that he did and, and how he created value for himself and his investors. Um, so that that's another really important book, I think, to how we think about approaching business. 
Perfect. Well, yeah, certainly uh, the world is uh, uh, certainly full of content and learning from everyone is, uh, uh, is definitely certainly more available now. So one of my favorite questions on the podcast is what three attributes do you believe make a, a top performer, Nick? Top performer? So I, I think some qualitative, some quantitative, but the top three I would say are one, a strong ethical moral compass, doing the right thing for people is extraordinarily important to long-term success. Two, I think important requisite is, is hard work and persistence over a long period of time. Uh, it's not just hard work in the short term, it's hard work over a very long period of time, more likely longer than anyone would expect you have to work. And then three, I, I do think that um, having you know some type of insight and conviction about an idea or an area that, um, that you've done the work on where you can create value also leads to success. Yeah, agree. Certainly agree with all of them. Well, Nick, if anybody wants to to reach out to you post, obviously listening to this podcast, how best do they uh, uh, do they connect, please? Sure. So you can re- visit our website at www.redartscapital.com. Uh, you can reach out to me. My email is on the website, as is my phone number. You can also link to me in or my business partner, Chad Schrader, as well. I'd love to learn more about your you know your business if, if there's a logistics or supply chain business that is listening. Uh, or if we can be helpful to other folks who are in the in the private equity industry, uh, we'd happy to be happy to do so. Uh, so thanks very much for giving me that opportunity to, to make a plug. <laughs> no problem at all. Well, Nick, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate your insight, and I think it's a great progress that the firm's made with regards to that specialism in that niche area and niche within the niche, if you like. Uh, and I think that's great. So thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing your insight today. Thanks very much for having me, Alex. And as always, for our listeners, thank you very much for joining us. And of course, if you should ever need support with either your private equity professionals or portfolio executive hiring across Europe and North America, please do reach out to me here at Raw Selection. But till the next time, keep smashing it. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Private Equity Podcast on www.raw-selection.com. 